you say. So yeah. that's, what I, that's actually one of the things was the intro on the next podcast. That and you guys gave no fucking love to Ally Quinta. I was raging. I was swearing. Well, oh my God. Started, this here's your cold him. fucking open. Ally Quinta, after the rant I had about him, walks into the cage, one punches a guy, gets on the mic, F everybody in the <laughs> UFC, F the whole city, boo you, boo me, peace. Leaves the ring, jumps on Twitter, F you, Dana, F the world, F this. I jump on my podcast and think, oh, God, Reese and Taylor are going to rip this apart. Yeah, I like Quinton, not bad. You know, I, I just don't really know why, he, why he's complaining. What? <laughs> the fuck? Oh, beautiful. My favorite thing in all of fighting this year, I think. Ally Quinta's Twitter rants. Not to mention, unbelievable power. This is the guy that's winning. 9-0, goddammit. Can't argue with that, Mitch. But, uh, no love on the podcast from my boys. Unreal. Some of us don't like it when people insult their employers. Okay. Well, you should, unless you're the employer, because otherwise you're getting used, sucker. And that's why you should like that. It was amazing. Anyways, you are listening to Hurt Take. This is the MMA show by a couple of fans for the fans. I am Reese. Oh my God. I'm looking across the room here, and and Mitch is sitting in the chair beside me. This is the first time we've been in the same room to do the podcast together, Mitch. Pretty exciting stuff. Pretty exciting stuff. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff, man. Here we are. It's kind of weird, to be honest. I didn't, you never used to have to look at you, so this is kind of an interesting dynamic now. Worst it's not as pretty as I thought for those listening at home. I was just so. about to say, there's worse things in life since you look at me. Yeah. Uh, this week, we are going to be putting a big-time focus on UFC 211, happening this Saturday, pay-per-view. Super excited about this card. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, UFC 211. It's got everyone excited, I think. Seems to be kind of the first one, first fight of the year that I'm hearing crazy buzz about. So. Well, people love heavyweights. People love to see the big dudes who seem to do almost nothing but throw leather, leather, never make it five rounds, barely ever make it three rounds. People love to see the big boys throw down. So this card is headlined by the heavyweight champ of the world, Stipe Miocic, pride of Cleveland, Ohio, against the former heavyweight champion, Junior Dos Santos. Mitch, oh boy, I have long been a big Junior Dos Santos fan. Fell out of love with him a little bit there when he seemed to do the exact same thing when he lost the belt and then Kane did the same thing to him again and then even when he fought Stipe, that, you know, he seems to have fallen into this pattern of backing his dumb ass up towards the cage and then trying to circle out and just getting caught the whole way out. Really depressing. But he is always really exciting to watch. Super awesome stand-up skills. Great with his hands. Very few heavyweights can box like Junior Dos Santos can. But one guy. Maybe better, and that's Stephen Miocic. Yeah, so true. Um, and anyone who saw the first fight, right? It was a war. I went back and rewatched it this week just to see it. Amazing fight that goes the distance, but a war. That's all I could think of watching it. If you're listening at home, Google the announcement of that fight. Just Miocic and Dos Santos fight one. You'll get a whole bunch of images that are unbelievable of these guys standing waiting for the decision, and they're both. They honestly look like punching bags again because yeah. they both took a pounding. What a crazy first fight. So to see it again, they're both obviously in very different places and everything. But, yeah, freaking stoked for this fight. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, Junior's one of those guys, too, who really wears the damage. You yeah. know, like, he's his face is always just freaking purple after every fight. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he gets cut badly usually, and he, you know, he's not the prettiest looking guy to begin with. So he starts to look a little, you know, a little odd when he gets lumps and swells all over his face. But he's, uh, you know, I said they're both coming in in different spots. So it's really intriguing to me to look. You've got Junior Dos Santos, who looks like himself again now. Mm-hmm. And those of us who remember those two wars he had with Cain Velasquez, using the word war a lot, but it was the same. Two very, you know, the first fight was over quick, and then that second one was like it took 10 years off of his life or something. And it yeah. seemed to, you know, take him, it's crazy, but four or five years to kind of bounce back and yeah. be in full shape. Now he's crediting, you know, he's had a kid. He's kind of got new motivation in life, feels like he has a reason to fight again. He was that original kind of disgruntled fighter with the business of fighting and that kind of stuff. And now you're seeing, he just seems rejuvenated. That seems like the word. So, um, but that said, he's still only coming in on a one-win you know, one win yeah. fight streak. Like, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, how is this How is this the heavyweight championship of the world? Yet at the same time, because of their history, it's exciting. So, yep. yeah, very interesting. <laughs> well, uh, it's heavyweight, though. That's the funny thing is, like, a guy with a one-fight win streak can get a heavyweight title shot simply because the field is so thin, but also because the margins are so thin. I think that's the thing about heavyweight to me that makes it uh, very exciting is these dudes are so big that almost any one of them has knockout power versus the other. You know, there's only so much uh, a guy can take when getting hit by another dude who's 250 fucking pounds. Like, they're humongous. They're they're giants. Yeah. Um, so a one-fight winning streak... Yes, it sort of looks bad on paper. I feel like it would look way worse in some of the lighter divisions. That's when you would really kind of have to criticize if it was like a lightweight or a welterweight. But up at heavyweight, man, to me it's like, you know, he beat Ben Rothwell, who was a dude who was streaking at the time and a lot of people thought was on the doorstep. Uh, he had lost in his previous fight to Alistair Overeem, who had a title shot in the interim and lost wow. to Stipe. Yeah. So... You know, yeah, and he was that's a, kind of my point. He's lost to a guy who's lost his title shot. He's lost, but anytime, I mean, anytime you've got a victory over the champ, yeah. you're going to have an inroads to the title fight, I think, right? Yeah. Obviously, the stylistic matchup is good. The first fight was amazing, so why not redo it? And from what I'm hearing, it's a fight that Miocic is asking for at this point in his career. Yeah. He requested this fight, which is super intriguing. Um, he thinks he's, you know, he's developed. He's come so far since that fight. He actually credits that fight with being kind of the turning point, changing a bunch of his camp and all this stuff he starts going on his winning streak and all the way to the title, right? So it's it's interesting, but it's hard. I look at I look at Dos Santos and go, okay, he's three and three in his last six. He's got a decision win over Ben Rothwell, and that's what gets him the title fight. Yeah. And before that, like I say, losses to all the top of the division. And so you're kind of wondering, but just the way timing falls, obviously Miocic wants the fight, so it works. Velasquez isn't ready anyways. You've got kind of a... Which is so depressing. Yeah, yeah, the same old with him, right? So at the same time, yeah, it's crazy. It's just really interesting. And like I say, Miocic thinks he's got... Think he learned everything he needs to learn to win the fight now this time. Dos Santos is saying, hey, I already beat him. I've got the blueprint. I'm not real worried about it. Um, Very interesting. So uh, I can't see it going the full five this time. I think that's probably the the difference is, you know, a three-round fight versus five. Um, so yeah, super intriguing stuff, but it just, it does feel kind of odd. Like, you know, I've had a few people ask me like, what happened to Dos Santos? Has he won a bunch? Like, how, isn't this the guy that lost to Kane? And kind of people have that memory from five years ago. Right. And the nice part is no one really knows what, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the fans don't really even know if he's on a four or fight, you know, win streak or not. So at the end of the day, they'll keep running those crazy boxing highlights and it sells the fight on its own. Right. 
sleeping people early in his career. He was like an ice cold, yeah. scariest guy. Yeah. Well, and they've even been running like the third round in that fight. People should yeah. go back and watch. It was unbelievable. They were they both corners thought it's one one. Both corners said we need the round, and the guys Dos Santos drops Njocic at one point in that round. Like it was just unbelievable, and barely able to even swing at the end. Like just left it all in the tank. So I think the other part that's really exciting here is they have they both tend to get hit a bunch. So you yeah. know both guys are walking into shots and both guys have one punch power. So you it's kind of an interesting dynamic of who's gonna get who first probably. Um, so it's kinda of crazy to think that the first one went to decision because their chins just held up that well. Um, which is yeah, amazing to think about with that kind of power. Now here's how crazy is it though that with one one more win, if Stipe wins this fight, he will have tied the record for title defenses in that division. With Cain Velasquez at two. Do you think that's crazy? I mean, to me, that's insane because we just we are so used to guys like Anderson Silva and DJ, the Demetrius Johnson just hitting uh, ten, mm-hmm. and you're just like two. Yeah, even Joanna Champion on this card, right? She's going for six now. Like, so yeah, it is. That's interesting. Um, I'm racking my brain right now, being like, really back in the day, early heavyweights. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard it before. I know Velasquez has it, which yep. is insane to think about. But that's exactly it. That's why this fight's intriguing, right? The odds of Dos Santos being able to do it again, the odds, you know, if anything, we'll probably see this fight a third time. Like, it ends up, you know, it's interesting. And, yeah, we'll Well, see what happens, obviously. The thing about the title defenses, too, is that it's not just Kane. He's the most recent. It's that there's Randy Couture, Tim Sylvia, Brock, and Kane. So there's four other guys tied. So clearly, this is one of those things where it's like heavyweights, two title defenses. I mean, once you get around there... That's about your shelf life. That's what that's when you're you're due. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see if Stipe can hold on to it. I have my doubts, quite honestly. Uh, as good as Stipe is, he's always around to get hit, and that is not a good thing at heavyweight. Um, so it's, it's been working. It's been wor- <laughs> it's well, but it's only worked a little bit, this right? Is like, why, this, is, this is why it's only a matter of time, like you were just saying. Right? Yeah, you can't and, keep getting hit, but. One thing I'd give him three straight first round exits. Um, yeah, is he hasn't put a lot of rust on there, right? And that's one thing with Dos Santos having to go up against Velasquez there when he had the belt. He had that war, and it did. It like we talked about at the beginning, yeah. seemed like it knocked ten years off of his life. Um, Miocic hasn't had that since his last fight with Dos Santos, and even that. Um, I misspoke before. That was actually five rounds too. They went the full five, the full distance already once. I you know can't see it happening again, but. That's really the you know the last time he was tested at any kind of length. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, you know, you got to think Dos Santos has more miles on the tires, but we'll see. Boy, I am certainly going to be waiting with bated breath for that one. Another fight that I'm actually very excited about. I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've been hyped on this fight. I feel like I've been sold on this fight over time. Is Joanna Champion this Joanna and Jacek versus uh, Jessica Andrade? This is one of those interesting fights where I feel like I've been sold. For good or bad, I'm excited for this fight. For me, Joanny and Jacek is a total star. I love Joanny and Jacek. I think she's great. She's the perfect kind of promotable uh, female fighter. You know, Rousey, she had her thing, but Rousey at the end of the day wasn't that likable comparatively. I feel like Joanny and Jacek is really likable. Uh... And it's funny because she does a bunch of crazy stuff too, right? She does a bunch of stuff that pisses yeah. people off, but in a more lovable way than Rhonda did. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. the broken English. Honestly, like yeah. maybe it's the it's the fact that sometimes it sounds very endearing that she's sort of 
grasping the English language and, and, and throwing all this, you know, shade on, on her opponents. And you're like, oh, my God, like she is this isn't even her first language and she's killing it. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to see this fight because I also think and this is the part that I think I've been sold on that Jessica Andrade is legitimately her toughest opponent to date. What do you think? Um, it's interesting because I was looking at her resume. If you look at just resume, which is, you know, never a smart thing to do, I suppose. But if you look at just who she's fought and where she's been, they, they don't compare if you compare the two fighters. Um, but stylistically, when I look at that, it's to me, it screams the perfect matchup for someone that can beat Joanna. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of interesting. So, I, you know, I definitely think she has a good chance. And that's definitely what's been selling me is you start looking at, you start watch a couple of her past fights. You've got the Polish power against the pile driver, right? I've been hearing that a lot. That's not what her nickname actually translates to. It's her specialty. She's going to grab a hold of you, slam you on your head. Mm-hmm. And Joanna is wanting to keep stay at distance and knock your head off, ideally. Which is one of the very important points about this fight, too, is that Jessica Andrade has been on a three-fight win streak since dropping down to Strawweight. Yeah. So she has normally been fighting as the smaller fighter, and now she's like a pit bull amongst all of these lighter uh, uh, female opponents. She's huge by comparison. Yeah. And that's a, that, that is a big difference. We always talk about size and how size can really be a difference, even if it's only a couple inches or you know, someone that is naturally only five to eight pounds bigger, bigger, it has an impact. And for me, that's why this is interesting, that Jessica Andrade is very strong. This is Claudia Gedalia gave Joanny and Jacek all she could handle, and Andrade is bigger than Gedalia is. Yeah, that's the one thing I was going to bring everyone's memory to, is last July, when Joanna goes down two rounds to nothing and has to win three straight by a hair mm-hmm. to keep her title on a woman that is arguably, again, I would say, may have a better resume than Andrade does, but didn't seem to be the matchup nightmare that she is. Uh, and she bullied her. She bullied her with the same kind of techniques that you could see here. Lay on her, lean on her in the cage. Joanna's almost impossible to take down. That'll still be the number one goal here, obviously. Can this? Can she get her hands on her? Can mm-hmm. she get in close, right? She's, Joanna's going to keep this thing at reach if she can. Try to box her head off. Use those kicks like crazy. But if that girl gets inside, now what happens? Now you've got stronger. She's giving up a ton of reach, which means she's gaining weight somewhere else. She's got power. She's inside on you. She wants to grind you. And now she's in her wheelhouse in terms of throwing that knockout power, too. She's got crazy power. So it just seems to me like the toughest test yet. It's the, you know, she's, this is the six title defenses we were talking about. Three straight decisions now after a whole bunch of knockouts for Joanna coming in. You look at that and go, it seems like she's leveling off or the competition is catching up a little bit, which is what we saw with Ronda as well. So you're thinking, now now's the time. But just like we've seen with DJ, she might just come out and smoke her in one round and everybody be going, oh my God, there's no one left in the division. Because <laughs> if she mops this girl up, there's no one left in the division. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, there's rematches and there's always people coming up. It's not that clear cut. But it, that big marquee fights, this is to me the last one they can sell like crazy if it's a quick fight. Mitch, are you saying that, that if she wins this fight that... that uh... Rose Namajunas isn't going to be a legitimate... <laughs> the thug! This is true. Good point. Okay, so the thug's <laughs> in. I'll, I'll retract that last thing. There's a couple other fights. My point is that it does feel like a... Like, it feels like she gets over this hump and we're not worried about the, you know, issue leveling off. Yeah. That kind of stuff goes out the window a bit. She's 
you know, even Rose is someone that she's got the experience edge on. She's got all these things. Um, I would argue that that's a, you know, long and lanky fighter that she'd stylistically a lot better yeah. fight for her probably than even this is. So, yeah, well, um, this, this just seems like, you know, even a Cormier against Rumble, something like that, where if this girl gets inside, she's got, uh, but no one's ever going to take Joanna down. So I guess she's going to have to prove it first. So, yeah. yeah, very intriguing fight. I think it's awesome. I'm always a big Joanna champion fan. Go for the, go for the Polish power. I'm a big fan. So here's, here's hoping. What what do you think about what she's been saying in in public lately? She's been sort of skipping over Andrade a little bit. Mm-hmm. Seems to be talking about other people like Rose Nami Yunus. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a subscriber to the idea that lo- talking about another fighter, looking past another fighter, is a recipe for disaster? Could she be laying the groundwork for a big letdown? I, th- I think this is a catch fight period. So everything about this screams. You know, she's about to have a letdown, potentially, if she's underestimating her. Um, I have seen Joanna kind of turn her eyes to a career-based outlook. You've seen this with John Jones. You saw this with Connor. She's bigger than this fight in her mind. And I, you know, is that looking past someone or is that confidence, which is the difference, when, especially when you're a striker like she is? Like, it seems like to me that's maybe the ultimate thing. You want her to have that crazy yeah. confidence, but... Um, at the same time, it's one of those things where the coverage of the sport's never been higher. People like us are sitting around talking about fights. You've got, she's answering more questions than ever is my point. So, yeah. And the world cares about the next fight. That's just the reality. They get into fight week and they're never being asked about their current opponent. Um, so I think it's a bit of a product of the business too. I think she's being asked about the next fight because yeah. they're already on to their next promo, right? They've already, they've sold the tickets for this fight. It's now time to start talking everything else and I, yeah. I think you make a very valid point that oftentimes we forget about when we when we read headlines is well, they're being asked the question. Yeah. Right? Like this isn't something where she's offering up Rose Nami Yunus's name. Most of the time they're being asked the question, a very pointed question about this person or that person or whatever. So to not answer the question, you know, she's going to answer the question and then Rose's name will be in her mouth and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh my gosh, she's So I think that's something that people we often look past. Yeah, well, on the PR perspective of that, just think about it. So they are being asked questions on Fight Week about mm-hmm. future opponents because these reporters need to write stories. Their yep. stories for this week are in the can. Is fighting this girl, bop, 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 unless they start throwing bottles at each other at a press conference. <laughs> it's pretty much in the can for these writers. Yep. They're working on their next stories, and they already know that. Yep. So they're asking both girls about both potential next matchups. We're, they're canning stories. Let's not kid ourselves. They don't have access to these fighters, especially a girl from Brazil and a girl from Poland. Yep. Although, you know, she's fighting in Florida now, but still. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it is really a thing where they're being baited into this. And in the meantime, these sites and all these people that are asking these questions need ratings this week. So drumming up the, she's looking past the fight. What else are they going to sell? She has a fight Saturday. We all know that already. So it's really media-driven. I'm not calling it fake news, but it's as close as you get. It's clickbait. It's all it is, and everybody's falling for it. It keeps working. That's why they ask the questions, so... So, yeah, a bit of a frustrating thing for me. I just think it's kind of ridiculous, but you see it every time. Every single time they're asked about the next fight, and then it's a big deal. When, honestly, like, are they not supposed to have the next fight? Come mm-hmm. on. You bet, like, you're telling these people they don't have a three-fight, five-fight plan. If things go well, maybe they're not public with it, but you're sitting there. You know the pecking order. Yeah. They've been lined up against the same people their whole lives. And all else fails, this is Joanny and Jacek we're talking about here. This is, this is someone who has walked the walk and talked the talk. This isn't Tyron Woodley who, fresh off of winning the belt, is saying, I need the money fights, right? This isn't that. 
Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of leeway that she should get for putting for talking about other fighters. She's she's earned the right. Yeah. She's she's earned that right. She's also moved from a different continent recently, right? So she's uprooted her entire family, moved to Florida. She's you know she's going to train full time at AT and T. You take that kind of move on, AT and T. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the phone company, Mitch. Hey, just a little subtle plug, Reese. We don't have to make it obvious. Okay? Uh, AT and T were looking for sponsors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, thank you. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. But she's down there, new gym, new everything. So I'm trying to think: Do you make that kind of move? And you're only thinking one month out. Yeah. Hey, if I lose this fight, I'm going home, pack up my stuff. I just moved my whole family. Like, clearly, she's thinking broader. She's yeah. thinking, you know, she wants to be fighting in the states. She wants to be building her name over here. She wants to work on her English. These are things that you don't lay out a plan for without thinking down the line. Totally. So, yeah, it just seems logical to me. I think it's kind of a joke when we think people aren't thinking about these things, to be honest. Yep, absolutely. And honestly, the best fighters, the best business people, big picture, but can focus on the, the task at hand. That's what makes them great in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, I think it's super old school, that thinking. It's an old boxing yep. mentality. Let the promoter handle all that. Only worry about your fight. It was never happening. Conor McGregor wouldn't be making the, the money he's making these days if he didn't think that way, right? So, Okay, now let's move on to the next subject. I'm going to give you an opportunity here. You can pick, Mitch. You can pick what we're going to talk about next. Are we? Let's talk about either an overlooked fight, an overhyped fight, or maybe you can just tell me what fight you most want to see. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe all three are the same fight. No, all three are definitely not the same okay. fight. Definitely not. Uh, most overlooked fight? Frankie freaking Edgar, who's fighting, what, three or Shall four you? down? Right? Fourth fight on this card you're getting. Yeah. Frankie, the people's champ, the number two ranked 145 pounder in the freaking world. Your boy. My boy. Should be everybody's boy. The people's <laughs> champ. <laughs> One of several people's champs in my book. But and For the record, Mitch was calling him the people's champ back when he was like, won the lightweight. This was... Yeah. At least 10 years ago. Yeah, when he was out. having three wars with Gray Maynard. Yeah, That's man. when I was talking about this stuff. If you don't love him from those days, you're insane. He's still that good, which is even more insane. Yep. And we're getting him against who's becoming this this kid they're propping up as the legend killer here. We're going to let him mop up BJ, see if they can finally get rid of Frankie because he won't go away. He just keeps winning. And the, <laughs> the UFC is like, yeah, we need some young buck to just knock this kid off. They're trying to get Frankie to go away. Yeah. It's not going to happen, people. Frankie's going to put this kid away. It's the overlooked fight of the card. That's on time. It's not where Reese's eyes would probably go, if I had to guess. We could end up talking about some couple of kids you've never heard of here coming up. Just Chaz Skelly. Chaz Skelly. Uh, I, you know what? i got to agree with you. I think on a, on a high level, that is the most overlooked fight because of the reasons you're saying. And, and the fact that Yair is very, very uh, hyped prospect. But on this card, he's sort of being overshadowed by the two big... He, this is a guy who headlined a card in his last fight. Now he's kind of third down. Um, but here's the thing. Frankie Edgar is not BJ Penn. Frankie Edgar is a stiff test for absolutely every single person who weighs between like 135 and 155 pounds. Anybody in there, Frankie Edgar could probably beat him if their name isn't Jose Aldo or Conor McGregor, and he never got the chance to fight him, which is a shame. Yeah. I totally expect him to take Yair Rodriguez to school. Uh, Frankie is... I totally agree the People's Champ is a perfect moniker for him. He is the classic underdog guy, always doubted, then shows up and just 
shows you shows you what you you've forgotten. It's like he's it's one of those guys where you just sort of like, oh, that Frankie Edgar, right? Yeah, he's that guy who just always shows up. Frankie's that guy that if you're thinking, hey, maybe I should take an MMA class, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a fight at some point, you know, just just because I think I maybe got won a couple bar fights, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm the guy. Take a look at Frankie and go, there's no way I could work that much. Just look at him and know that's who eventually there's a guy out there that's working that part. And if yeah. you don't have that level, get out. Like, to me, he's the measuring bar for you want to be a pro fighter? Can you outwork this guy? If the answer's no, or you don't, you know, you can't even fathom outworking that guy, you're in the wrong game because he's that guy. He's the mark of what you want people to be. Yeah. He's undersized. That's not his fault. He walks around at weight, so he's fighting guys 30, 40 pounds heavier than him come fight night. That's not his fault. He brings three kids with him to the arena. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going out. He's going out for Dairy Queen after the fight with his family. He's the people's champ. Yep, that's all I got to say. And hopefully, you know, he's got some young stud that he can knock off and get a little hype train going and get him in that title race. I would like to see him in another title fight. Yeah, against Max Holloway in Hawaii. Just saying, mm. God, they're going to start paying me for this fight promotion. But I tell you, <laughs> you watch. Well, Mitch, I don't know. Uh... Holloway smokes Aldo. Frankie smokes Rodriguez. We go to Hawaii for the first time. Two Americans headlining a card in Hawaii. One of them's a local American. One's a good old Jersey boy from the East Coast. Literally doesn't get easier to sell a fight than that. That's give me a call, Dana. Give me a call. I'm free agent if you need to hire someone to sell some fights for you. That kind of sounds like if Frankie Edgar was an NFL team, he would look at that schedule and just be like, i got to fly all the way over to fucking yep. Pacific. Oh, no. And who says yes to it in the entire UFC? Frankie. That's yeah. why that makes sense. And it would be amazing. But here's a quick segue then. Has that bitten him in the ass, though, for a long time in his career that he's sort of a yes man and now he's realize that maybe being a yes man has not benefited absolutely and he's very public about it and that's the same we were talking about Alan Quinta earlier it's the same thing these guys are realizing they've been had this this business they're in is a bit of a fraud and there's some of these guys that are lunch pail kind of guys you know would have been a plumber if they didn't make it to the UFC these good old Jersey boys that'll say something about it and it's beautiful they're going to tell you they think it's wrong they're going to tell you all about it Frankie's a little bit more of a company guy he tries to toe the line um, he's made a lot of money. He's been a champion. I don't think his world is quite the same. Um, so he's thinking, hey, I want one of those Matt Hughes jobs when I retire or something maybe. He's not willing you know, willing to ruffle the feathers. But, yeah, I definitely think he's changed his tune a lot on that front. But you're probably right earlier in his career for sure. And those, those Matt Hughes jobs don't exist anymore. Not unless you're Forrest Griffin. Is he still employed at the UFC? Not only is he employed by the UFC, he's a vice president. At the current new UFC, not the old UFC. Really? The new UFC. I Vice think I knew that. president. Vice president of what? I believe they call it fighter development, don't quote me. Something along those lines where essentially he's like the face of this new facility they're buying. But do he's you feel there, like maybe it's because the Forrest Griffin around. actually does work? Like he actually like like works? From what I've heard, he's in the like he's the keener. He's the guy that they have to tell to go home. He's around the office, willing to take on anything, which has turned him into this weird kind of YouTube celebrity now. He's doing all these <laughs> stupid things with them. Want to get somebody doing something stupid. You know, reporter wants to come in and fight somebody. I'm not going to put a real fighter in there. Forrest goes in with his weird cauliflower ears and talks a couple of jokes, and they sell it off. It's kind of interesting. But anyways, my point is the jobs still do exist if you're good at them. I don't know that Matt Hughes was doing a whole lot besides wishing he could fight again. Same with Chuck, apparently. There you go. So. Yeah. Okay, so we have your overlooked fight. Now here, I'm going to... I get to pick the next one. I'm going to go with the most overhyped fight on this card. Okay. Now, 
I was actually going to go with a fight um, that has now been canceled an hour before we recorded this. I was going to go with Henry Cejudo and Sergio Pettis. The reason being that a lot of people think Sergio Pettis was slated for a title shot after this, or at least be in the conversation. I was like, uh, no thanks. (laughs) Never been impressed with the dude, really. Um, So I felt that was overhyped. But I'm going to go with former lightweight champ and Conor McGregor sacrificial lamb versus another former Conor McGregor sacrificial lamb, Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier. And here's why, Mitch. I have not been impressed with Eddie Alvarez's performance for some time, even when he won the belt. I think that he's a guy who became super pragmatic because I don't think he really had the knockout abilities, even though he was this guy who liked to stand and strike. And he started becoming a wrestler, and he was really quite boring. And I have not been interested in an Eddie Alvarez fight other than when the Irishman is there saying he's going to knock him unconscious. At the end of the day, I want to steal a line from uh, one of the Diaz boys and just say you're being sold worth tickets. That's really what's happening here. The only reason you even know this fight's happening is because it's on their nice little prelim headliner that they have to promo. And this is what we're getting sold every time there's a pay-per-view now. Is that last fight before the pay-per-view. They're trying to load it. They're trying to put some people in there. But they're also well aware that they're they're the people that can't quite get to the main card. And now that that's a Huda fight's dropped, I could argue they probably could bump up. But they're locked and can't do that. They can't bump them up because they've sold those rights to TV as the world we live in now. So we're always going to get over-promotion, over-hype on that final fight every time. Sometimes there's some Steelers in there. You get a bit of a sleeper. But um, i got to agree with you on this one. Alvarez is another one of these Jersey guys we're talking about. Works hard, does all that. Except like the rest of them, he doesn't impress with his heart. He doesn't like... He's got a crazy resume. I shouldn't say he doesn't impress with his heart, but I'm the same way. Just never... Resonated to me. Wasn't very hyped to see him fight Connor. to be dead honest. I mean, by the time you get there, they put a bunch of promotion behind him. You feel like he deserves to be there, blah, blah, blah. New York guy. I mean, there was some marketing there for sure. Um, and, you know, maybe a guy that suffers because he wasn't in the UFC in the beginning of his career. Maybe that's why I think a little bit less of him. But um, And then, yeah, Dustin Poirier is exactly the same, right? It's like he's the good old American boy that they trot out there to kind of, you know, he's got some tattoos and he likes to bang a little bit. So it's... It'll be an exciting fight, but he's ranked number nine. Let's yeah. not get crazy here. He's ranked number nine and probably trending down. You know, people might argue me on that one, I guess, but it's it's not, you know, is it the greatest? I, I To be honest, it's great. I look at it and go, that's a great fight for the prelims. Yeah. It's just not, you know, something that should be featured everywhere you turn your eyes yeah. this week, which it kind of is. And the reason you brought it up, the Connor factor. Yeah. All we get to hear about is how that was his worst nightmare. He's rebuilding himself after that loss. I mean, it's just easy, simple TV, and that's what everybody's going for nowadays. I think that's the only reason you even have heard this fight's on the card. That's exactly the point, is the promo package for this is going to sell this as something that you got to see. Yep. When, in fact, the promo package is it's not, it's not going to be that great. Poirier has, is the only reason that I would watch this fight, um, because he's an action fighter and has actually, I think, has, has done really, really well since moving up to lightweight. But Other that, than losing to Michael Johnson two fights ago, like that's where I'm at. Let's be right, realistic. Right, but I'm not. I'm not Alvarez saying... is six and three in the UFC. Poirier is two fights ago lost to Michael Johnson, who's what? Pretty much the gatekeeper in the division. Sure, and he just lost to him. But the point is that Poirier is still a high quality in that division. That is such a stacked division. Poirier is a very high quality fighter and a big test for anybody trying to make their way into the top ten. 
really stiff test, and he can, he can compete with anyone in the top five. The, the only problem is that he can't beat him. Well, if Michael Johnson's the gatekeeper of the top five, and maybe Poirier is the gatekeeper of the top ten, either way, that shouldn't be sold to us as the world's greatest fight. Yep. The reality is, could it be a great fight? Heck yeah. There's two guys that need a win. There's two guys... They decide to bang it out. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it could be an exciting fight. We're just talking about what's being overhyped right now, and that McGregor train is being used to overhype a fight that no one's worried about, yeah. that's helping them leverage their upcoming TV deal, and mm-hmm. that's the end of the story. That's really what it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, for most people tuning in, it's going to be exciting. I think it'll be a great fight, to be honest. It's just one of those where, you know, should it be the fight we're talking about in this card? Probably not. Yeah. Go Frankie. <laughs> Had to get that last plug in there. Yeah. So that's UFC 211 for us. Really comes down to, you know, two or three really big fights that we're kind of excited about. Is there anything else in the doc you want to talk about, Mitch? Maybe the spider being a little complaining? <laughs> GSB alien baby stomach? Or what are we, what are we thinking here? You want to stick with UFC 211? Uh, no, those are all great. Um, yeah, I guess, I'll, you know, there's been so many ultimatums of late. Anderson Silva, there's so much news, it'd be hard to even jump into all of it, I think. But. Yeah, can't, Chris Cyborg, yeah. ultimatum, there's yeah. been so many of Justin them. Justin Gaethje signing. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal that no one's really talking about still, but he doesn't have a fight yet, so I guess we'll, once we get a fight, we'll probably hear about him. Yeah, it's a crazy world in MMA right now. Even, you know, Gaston, our, our favorite... Uh, goat Kelvin Gastelum getting busted. Q rating dropping yeah, by the day. Yeah, our Q rating yeah. god Kelvin um, dropping again on a on his last chance at actually being relevant again. Beats Anderson, gets returned. Uh, and this isn't even going in in depth about the ever going saga of Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, which now apparently lost the fight date that they were going for thanks to Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. You have a very interesting theory. I actually want to end on this. Because you have a very interesting theory on this. Yes, look it up, people. Check it out. So, boxing is not my thing. So, I'm going to mess up a bunch of boxer names. But just look at who's involved in these promotions and these dealings. So, you've got leading into a massive boxing fight between who again this last weekend? Canelo Alvarez and uh, Cesar Chavez Jr. Right. And forgive me, boxing fans, but two 145ers in the UFC. Barely piqued my attention. Let alone two (laughs) 145ers in boxing. But anyways, huge hype fight. It's wonderful. But it's boxing. You've never seen the UFC promote boxing, talk positively about boxing, anything. If anything, it's used as the laughing, we're better than boxing type angle. Yeah. Three days out of this fight, all of a sudden you've got Dana White posting on Instagram, big fight, this and this, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's a promoter kind of scratching each other's back. Ticket sales must be low. Then all of a sudden, Rogan, I'm going to the fight, so excited, posting photos with tickets. Then you've got Brennan Schaub, doesn't even like the UFC, suddenly posting big fight, uh, Golden Boy promotions, this, 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 at Dana White, at UFC. Hates both those people. Listen to that man speak ever. Not a big fan of the UFC. How is this all happening? Five minutes after the, after the fight ends, we find out about this date loss. We don't have the date for Mayweather now. Who are we finding out from? From Dana, right after a boxing fight. In the arena. He's doing interviews. He's at in the building. How's this happening? All of these actions tie into Golden Boy Promotions, who is putting this fight on, and who represents who? Oscar De La Hoya. Well, that's Golden Boy. That's what oh. I'm saying. So Oscar De La Hoya, biggest rival in all of boxing, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Can't quite get over the hope, over the hump of Mayweather Productions. You've got Golden Boy. Now Golden Boy needs a little bit of help. Suddenly, Golden Boy Promotions has the biggest, most marketing, marketable fight in boxing, and Mayweather has no date to fight. Very intriguing stuff to me. Biggest rival in the world. So, 
UFC is now partnered with a Mayweather rival, has other boxing options open to them, say McGregor fighting anybody as an undercard fight on that Triple G fight in Madison Square Garden, say, oh, September-ish. Or Mayweather gets to come back to the table. Now it's a little more leverage for the UFC where Mayweather's been the whole time being the guy that's like, hey, they can pay me X and I'll do it. They're the B guys. I'm the A side. This is this is B and C partnering up to strengthen their hold, trying to battle A being Mr. Mayweather. And there you have it, folks. That's Mitch Bales. I, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out. He is not wearing a tinfoil hat on his head. <laughs> he's not he's not uh, you know going off the grid here. His phone is on. Yeah. This is just Mitch calling it like he sees it. I just notice odd things and find it interesting. So. I do think you make some very valid points. There is a lot more that goes on behind the scenes than we're aware of. Dana White, WME, IMG, there is a lot more going on. These are very influential, powerful people. They're having more conversations that we don't know about than they are that we do know about. So I I think there's probably some validity to that. It's all speculation, but at the same time, very, very thought-provoking. Interesting stuff, and at the same time, think about Golden Boy. What do they need? They're about to have the biggest star in boxing if he can win this fight. Oh, maybe some movie deals, maybe some TV stuff. Oh, WME suddenly seems like a good partner. Interesting. It's not UFC and Golden Boy. It's WME and Golden Boy. You heard it here, folks. That's why you come and listen to this show. This is The Hurt Take. I am Reese. I'm Mitch. In the flesh. Thank you for listening. We are out. Thank you.